Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Creekside. Uh, we're strangers, as you can see. Well, not necessarily strangers, but we're visitors. And uh, still, so excited to be with you. We're, we're praising the Lord for this place, and it's a blessing to be able to be here. And uh, Georgie and I have been visiting in all four of your different locations. And so now to be here and to hear of what happened and the two churches coming together, it's just amazing. So we, uh, we praise the Lord that we can be here and sing with you and worship with you this morning. And so we just come to worship to declare that we love God, that we're thankful for what he's given us, for the freedom that he's given us. And so um, as you feel comfortable, stand with us, worship with us, and uh, let's just thank God for the freedom that he's given us, that he set us free, and we worship him for that. Uh, you can go ahead and have a seat. Quick, couple, couple quick announcements for you. Feel like I'm breaking out in song. All right, a couple quick announcements for you. Uh, first of all, there will be an offering coming around uh, during the next couple songs. Actually, there's going to be two offerings coming around. Uh, first thing we would tell you, if you are a guest, uh, we we do not want your money. Now, if you you come here every week, we we want it. Open your wallets up, uh, but. There's going to be two offerings. The first one is uh, our general fund offering, and then the second one is going to be the building fund, our monthly building fund offering. So those are going to come through for the next couple songs. Uh, another announcement uh, that we've, uh, the, the elders, the leadership, would like to, to, to tell you about and talk to you a little bit about is uh, kind of Nick's role uh, with the church and his title with the church has always kind of been that administrative pastor. And... Uh, while Nick is, is very gifted uh, in the administrative role and, and many other things, we, we've really uh, felt a desire and a sense that we wanted to free him up to do more, past, more of the pastoral side than the administrative side. So the, there's a couple things on that. One, uh, we're, we're going to drop the administrative from his role uh, it, or from his title. Now, any job comes with some administration. But what we're seeking to do is, one, we really want to free him up. Uh, to do more discipleship, to do more teaching, to do more pastoral care, all of those things. And that's really our desire, and, and to see uh, Nick uh, do more of those things. Uh, so that's why there's going to be a change in the title. And with that, uh, as we look to, to drop some of the administrative role from his plate, uh, we are seeking to hire somebody on a very part-time basis. You probably saw an email this week. And uh, it's an administrative role, really about 10 hours a week, maybe three, three-hour days, some, some, something of that nature with administrative. So we wanted to open that up to anybody uh, that would be interested in that type of position. Again, um, there's more details about it. Vance is the guy to see. Really, Vance, you're the guy to see about anything. But, but particularly with this, with this job, with this role, Vance, uh, and they can email you, right? So there's an email. Uh, touch base with Vance if you are interested, would like to submit uh, your res resume for that position. So I uh, want to encourage you if you are interested to do that. Uh, so let me pray for the offering and for the morning. One other thing I'd like to mention is it's awesome to have Dan and Georgie here, isn't it? You know, they come through. Yeah. Yeah. 
they come through every now and again, and so it's nice to have real talent in the building sometimes. Uh, so we're, we're, we're excited to have him, them here this morning uh, to with us, and, and obviously this is a different morning than what we most mornings look like for us. Uh, they are going to lead in more of a concert and worship, uh, so we're excited about that. We also want to encourage you, next week is our Christmas program, uh, so make sure you are here next week to put our kids on display uh, and see, see them and, and have them up front as well. So let me pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you first and foremost for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the new life we have in him. Uh, we, we come to, to worship him this morning. We come to worship together this morning. We thank you for bringing in Eloquent, Dan and Georgie here, uh, and just uh, for them using their gifts and their talents for your kingdom. Uh, God, we, we thank you for all that you've given us, and as the offering comes around, we, we, we just pray that uh, with, with glad hearts we can give back to you. Uh, we just pray for the morning. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we sing these next few songs, I want to just open up the worship. I want to encourage you to encounter God uh, how you feel comfortable. If you want to stand, if you want to walk around in the back, uh, raise your hands, kneel before him, whatever that looks like. And as we sing, um, these songs are focusing on Christ and the freedom that we have in him and, and expressing our gratitude for that. And so uh, we have here and on this side and in the back an opportunity when you're ready, when you're um, able to do that, to come and remember what Jesus did for us uh, through giving his body on the cross, shedding his blood on the cross. And so this is just a, an extension of our worship, a way to remember and say, we're thankful, Jesus, for what you did on the cross and the freedom that we have because of what you did for us. And so when you're ready, as we sing through these next few songs, take a chance, come and, and remember Jesus through the bread and through the wine and remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for us. And so let's just worship as we feel comfortable. If you want to stand with us, if you want to um, raise your hands and let's focus our hearts on Christ and the freedom that he's given us. talking with Nick and Heather a little bit last night and some of the talking about some of the interactions we have with people in Romania and interactions we've had with people here in the states and uh, one of the things that people have said to me when I've talked to them about giving their life to Jesus to, to experience the abundant life that comes with really knowing and having a, a relationship a living relationship with Jesus um, they say to me oh, I'm not ready for that I have to kind of get my things in order and I have to get my life together and quit doing some of the things I'm doing and get better before I'm ready for a relationship with God. And, and it's quite the opposite, isn't it? We're never ready for a relationship with God. That's the whole point. That's why he sent Jesus to pay the price that we can never pay. Um, and he's ready to meet us where we are right now. And so he's already paid that price. He's, he's come to take our place, to take the shame, to take the guilt the sins, all those things that, that held us down, to take that away, to take our place, the death that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve. Jesus bore all of that. It's, it's done. It's over and done with, as we already sang this morning, that we are victorious because 
he's alive. So he died and he rose again to, to give us a hope of eternal life. So he took our place and there's no time to wait. There's no better time than to say now's the day that I'm going to follow Jesus. And so that's kind of what this song is about. It's remembering and taking that progression of what it looks like for someone to come to a realization of, man, I, I can't save myself. I need a savior. And then realizing I can't be that savior. No one else in this room or in this world can be that savior for me, but I have to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. So that's what the song is about. And as you guys catch on, uh, we'd, we'd invite you to, to sing with us.
just thankful that Jesus has taken our place. Amen. It's all right to celebrate a little bit in church, right? We can get excited. It's okay. So um, as Kyle mentioned, this morning is going to be a little bit different. We're going to sing one more song with you guys. And um, Georgie and I have been living as missionaries for the last 17 months in Romania. And so they asked us if we could give a report about what's happening in Romania. And so we want to do that a little bit later. So after that song, we'll invite you to sit down and we'll share with you what's happening in Romania and the work that we've been doing. But before we do that, we want to sing this song, and it's one that you guys are going to know well. But we're going to do one of the refrains in Romanian, so I'm not just going to talk to you about Romania. We're going to actually make you try to sing in Romanian this morning. I bet you didn't wake up thinking you'd come to church and be singing in Romanian, but you can do it. So we'll put the words on the screen, and it looks terrifying at first. Believe me, I know this is, this is my nightmare for the last uh, 17 months, but it's, it's learnable. So we'll sing it for you through in Romanian. You'll recognize the melody, so you'll have no problem there. We'll sing it through in Romanian, and then we'll sing through the song in English, and at the end, we'll come back to Romanian and have you guys try it with us. Don't be scared. Just say the words how you think it should be, and, and trust us that you're saying good things. And, and I'll even tell you, I love this song. I, I think it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. But the way that they translated it into Romanian, I think, is even more powerful. And the depth of these words is even better. So just trust us that you're saying good stuff and, and try it with us. So uh, you, you guys ready? Are you scared? It's, it's going to be okay.
you guys be seated, get comfortable. Thank you, Georgie, for, uh, thank you, Georgie, for singing with me. So I'm guessing that when you, when you sing, sing like never before, oh my soul, you weren't imagining that that would be singing like never before in a different language, perhaps. But uh, I think you guys did well. I think you guys did great. I want to start this off by making sure that everybody has either a, a piece of paper, there were some note cards around, or you can use your iPad or smartphone or anything, anywhere where you can write something down. We wanted to come through, as I mentioned, and present and kind of share about what's happening in Romania. And I remember being a kid and sitting through some missionary presentations that were just like 10,000 pictures in a row, and they're sitting going through like, this is Himbilebaba, and... Uh, He's doing this, and then this is Kimikapa, and he's doing this, and just going through a bunch of faces, a bunch of names, and I fell asleep. So I don't want to do that this morning. I want this to be interactive and, and encouraging and challenging, and so maybe if there's time at the end, we can even field a few questions. And so to make things different this morning, I want to start out with, instead of just spouting a bunch of information at you about Romania and what's, what it's like, I want to make it interactive in the form of a pop quiz. So... You also didn't think you were going to come to church and get quizzed. So we're going to do a 10-question quiz. There's going to be a prize at the end for the person who has the best score. And uh, if it's a tie and there's a bunch of people that have the best score, then I guess we'll have to do like a Hunger Games type situation or something like that. But uh, So the, the prize is going to be, Georgie and I have been working hard with Pablo um, as uh, the Eloquent, some of you know, to record a new album. We're going to be releasing that in January. So we don't have any with us. We actually don't have any CDs with us. A lot of it's on iTunes. You can find it there. But we're, we're selling pre-orders for the new CD so that we can have some funds to have it printed and for mixing and everything. So we're selling pre-orders where you just fill out your name on an address label and pay for that. And then when the CD is released, we'll mail it directly to you so you can be one of the first to have it. But the prize for the quiz is that you get a free address label. So you get a free future The Ineloquent CD. Okay, so who's, who's ready to take a quiz? Are we ready to do this? Okay, so question one. So just put a little one in your iPad phone, whatever. This is all on the honor system, so if you get it wrong, you have to be honest with us and yourself. What continent is Romania on? I hope nobody puts A or G. Oh, the light off? Oh, it's cut off. Oh, yeah, that's G on the bottom. 
Nobody's going to put Antarctica anyway, I hope. Okay, everybody ready? We're going to go through this fast. So the correct answer is C, Europe. Not everybody knows this. We told a lady that we were in Romania, and she said, oh, I just love South America. I have property in Brazil. And I thought, if you have property there, you should know that Romania is far away. Now we're in Europe, okay? Who can find Romania within Europe? You have to be fast. Think fast. The answer is D. Okay, good. So that's Romania. What is the, question number three, what is the capital of Romania? A, Budapest, Berlin, Bucharest, Boston, or Boom Shakalaka Town? It's out there somewhere. Got it? The answer is C. Bucharest is the capital. This is a map of where we are. In Romania, you can see Bucharest is down in the south. That's the capital city. About 2 million people live in the city of Bucharest. And the country itself is about 22 million people. We live in a city in the middle called Brasov. And we do a lot of work in those other cities that you see in Baco and Cluj. So we're traveling a lot to Bucharest, to Baco. So being centrally located for us is, is strategic. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we're doing and why we're traveling around the country so much. You can see that we're close to Ukraine. Ukraine borders us to the north. And a lot of people ask us, are you guys okay? Is, are Romanians worried about Russia and what's happening? And uh, to be honest, we're not. And we haven't heard a lot of fear about it because... Romania is in the European Union, and so I think they feel like if Russia were to do anything to Romania, it's just like them attacking France or Germany or England or anything like that. So they feel like they have a good big brother. So people feel pretty okay about, I mean, they're worried for Ukraine and for Moldova, especially our neighbors directly to the east. But as far as Romanians are concerned, there's not a lot of fear about that. So that's where we are in Brasov. Question number four, what type of language is Romanian? You guys got to try it out. Is it... Romance language, a Slavic language, Germanic, Celtic, or Klingon. <laughs> Got it? Some thinking, thinking. A lot of people don't know. Romanian is actually a Romance language, so it's very similar to Italian, French, Spanish. It has a similar structure. It comes from Latin, um, so it's considered to be a Romance language. Traditional Romanian food, A, seafood, B, meat and polenta, pizza and pasta, rice and beans, or gluten-free organic diet tofu. Any wild guesses? Okay, you got to be fast, I told you. And no writing the answer after I put it up, that's, that's cheating. Then we'll really have to have a, a showdown for a prize. The uh, answer is meat and polenta. They're, they do a lot of grilled meats. Polenta, it's kind of a cornmeal mush, similar to grits but more solid, and they serve that on the side of everything. So they have bread, potatoes, and that. So it's a, it's a carby, carby culture. I don't think carby is a word, but uh, I think this is five, six. I don't know. You guys are keeping track better than me. What type of leader does Romania have? Do, they, do we have a president, a king, a communist dictator, a priest, or a goat? Some of you might remember um, back into the 80s, 70s, 80s, Romania was under pretty severe communism, but that has changed. Communism has fallen, so now they have a president. 
1989, Nicolae Ceausescu was forcefully thrown out of power. There was a revolution in Romania, and, and communism fell. So even 25 years later, Romania is still recovering. We see a lot of the harmful negative effects of the leftover of communism. It affects the economy. It affects people's mentality, how they view themselves as being oppressed. And I'm Romanian, so of course this is happening. Uh, life is bad. This is just the way it is because we're Romanian. So they're, they're kind of used to being downtrodden. But they are uh, a democracy now. They have a president. And good news is that they just had an election since we left. We've been here in the States for a month. And they had an election. And the man who was elected as president, uh, we hear, is a Protestant believer, which is uh, first for Romania. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more, more what the religion looks like in Romania. But that's a, a big deal. And a lot of our the churches that we're working with are excited about this changing government. And he's going to be president for at least the next five years. What flag do you think belongs to Romania. I really hope nobody puts D for this one. So I just narrowed it down for you. It's, this is an easy one. What flag is Romania? The answer, blue, yellow, and red. Good. Okay. How, how, how are people doing? Is anybody undefeated so far? Do we have a couple undefeated? Okay. <clears throat> what is Romania famous for? Dracula, invention of the fountain pen, Discovery of insulin, gymnastics, or all of the above? The answer is all of the above. I'm not acknowledging that Dracula is real. I'm saying that the legend of Dracula comes from... Georgia and I actually live in the zone, the region that is called Transylvania. So a lot of people are surprised that Transylvania is a real place. And we live... It's a mountainous region in the middle of the country. And the legend of Dracula comes from there. If you want to know more about that junk, you can talk to me later. But Romania is infamous for, so this is kind of famous in a bad way, uh, the most poverty in Europe, most alcoholism in Europe, most wild dog attacks, most auto-related deaths, or the most tornadoes in Europe. Be fast. Got it? This is where we weed out some of the front runners. The answer is D, most auto-related deaths. It's crazy to drive there. There's potholes and horse carts in the road and animals running and nobody obeys the traffic laws passing on blind corners. And I've never felt like I was going to fall asleep at the wheel because you have to be so aware and alert all the time. And when we came here, I was driving through Nebraska and the smooth road straight. I was lulled to sleep. It was horrible. It was torturous. But... A lot of people in the road get hit because the villages just come right to the road and people stagger through and cars are coming through at ridiculous speeds. So it's, it's a dangerous place to drive. So we appreciate your prayers, especially just as we travel so much for, for safety on the road. What religion, this is the last question, question 10, what religion is predominant in Romania? A, Catholicism, B, Evangelical Christianity, C, Orthodoxy, D, Mormonism, E, Atheism. The answer is C, orthodoxy. Uh, Romania is about over 85% orthodox. Um, and so it's a very religious culture. People are very religious. They go to church, but it's more of the tradition going through the motions. There's very little relationship connection. People worship the saints, and, and Jesus is just kind of put up there as somebody, yeah, we believe in Jesus, we, we pray to Jesus sometimes, but we also pray to all these saints, and depending on what we need, we'll pray to this saint, and 
And so there's not a lot of direct access. People have Bibles. They would say that they believe in the Bible, but they don't read it. And so it's on their shelf and it protects their house. It's kind of a superstitious thing. So if you have a Bible on your shelf, your house is protected, but why would you ever read it? That's for the priest to do. And so the, the relationship with Jesus thing is, is a foreign concept to most, and that's what we really have a heart for is opening people's eyes to see that there's abundant life to be had, not in following a set of rules or traditions or just going through the motions because there's not life, there's, there's emptiness there, but in having life through a relationship with Jesus. So um, that's, that's what our heart is. Less than 5% of the people are evangelical Christians, less than 5% would say that they're born-again believers. So we have our work cut out for us. It's an uphill battle, but uh, we're believing and, and praying for revival in Romania just like we are for in the United States. And so who, anybody, did anybody get 10 correct? 10, 10 out of 10. What's your name? Sarah. Let's, let's clap for Sarah. That's... Now, Sarah, you, you did understand that you can't, you, you don't wait for the red circle to appear and then, okay, just, <clears throat> good job, Sarah. Okay, so Sarah can come back and fill out a label. I want to spend the next few minutes kind of sharing, that's general information about Romania and what that looks like, but I want to specifically share about what, what's happening, what we're doing, um, and I want to invite you to turn with me to a passage in Isaiah, and I just want to read a verse from Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52, verse 7, says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We're surrounded by bad news, and I think it's kind of an addiction, and we, we watch the news and we look at the media and it's bad news, bad news, bad news everywhere. But this verse says that it's beautiful to bring the good news. And that's what we want for Romania. We want our presence in Romania to be people that bring proclamations of peace, proclamations of salvation, proclamations of God's goodness and that he reigns. And proclamations of good news, not, not bad news. Because we've got enough bad news, we can turn on the TV, we can find it there. And, and so we, Georgie and I, see ourselves as ambassadors of good news in Romania. Just like you are all called here uh, to be ambassadors of the good news in Des Moines, in Johnson, in Urbandale, in this, this area. And with your lives, we're, we're all called to that. And so um, that's kind of our foundation of what we, we want to be bearers of good news. We want to be people that bring hope where there's hopelessness to a culture that has been downtrodden, that kind of is missing in the world, saying, we don't know who we are. We've been conquered by the Roman Empire, the Bulgarian Empire, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire. They've just been, and then communists came in. And so they've just been downtrodden all their life, and there's not a lot of hope. And so to be people that come forth and proclaim hope um, it's, it's well-received because there's not a lot of other places to turn. And so I want to uh, do this, not just kind of say, hey, here's the, the stuff that we're doing in Romania, here's what's happening, but I want to give you a visual picture so that you can remember, and I'm going to do it like building a house. And so you know that every house has a foundation, and so the foundation of, of everything that we do in Romania, everything that we want to see accomplished is the gospel. We want 
the good news of a, a true living relationship with Jesus to be something that changes people's lives. And so whether it's with our neighbors, whether it's with the churches we're working with, whether it's with orphans and uh, widows in the villages, whatever we do, we want to proclaim truth into people's lives and, and see people's lives changed by that. And so the gospel is the foundation of our house. And I'm going to go through and kind of talk about different rooms or different ways that we, avenues that we use to proclaim the gospel in Romania. The first one uh, is music ministry. You know us, you know we're with the ineloquent. And so using music as an instrument to proclaim truth and worship is a big deal for us. And so um, the first part is music ministry. Georgie and I had a little bit of an opportunity um, to use music ministry in Romania. We took a break. We, we were a bit burned out from all the touring and traveling that we'd done here, so we went there. We were busy with some other things, but the Lord was saying, I'm not done with you yet, so he began to open some doors for music ministry there, and this is uh, at a f- large Christian music festival uh, in Romania that we were able to go and, and play at, and the best thing about that was that we were able to meet other worship leaders, other artists, people who are writing music in Romania, and the rules for the festival there was like 3,000 people there and I, I think like 60 bands, which for Romania, for less than 5% of the people being Christian, this is like a ton of Christians gathered together. It was amazing. But the rule of the festival is we don't want to hear, you know, uh, Matt Redman songs or Chris Tomlin songs translated into Romanian. We want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the people of Romania for Romania. So the music has to be original. And that was really cool, really refreshing to be able to be in a culture. So we had some opportunities to do that. Pablo came. And we had opportunities to do the ineloquent style outreach concerts, ministry, music ministry with him. We sang at a few weddings. He was there for like three weeks. It was amazing to have him be there. And we did some outreach concerts. We did a lot of recording. Uh, it was a great time to have Pablo there. And then we've been investing a lot in worship leaders, in training them, working with a few different worship teams in different churches, uh, kind of showing them, working with them how to work together as a team, how to read chord charts different kind of things. And so we've been doing a lot of discipleship in worship leading. There's a lot of raw ability, a lot of natural talent there. And we've been excited about working with some of these people who have a passion for worship, who have a passion for music and and investing in them. So that's the first area of what we do is music ministry to proclaim the gospel. The second area is something that we call leadership development. That's that's a long way to to say discipleship. Um, We feel called to Romania to invest in young leaders who love Jesus and who want to stay in Romania. This is one of the biggest obstacles that we've run into is that for a lot of the young people, Romania is plan B. They, they get done with high school and they want to get out as soon as possible. The borders are open to go to Italy, France, Germany, England. They can get paid a lot more. They can make a lot more money going to these other countries and they're starting to see their friends and family are going having a lot better quality of life. And so they're like, why would I stay in Romania? The economy's bad. There's nothing here for me. So as soon as I'm done with school, I'm going to get out of here. And so that's been a problem with us because imagine what that does to the churches, right? The young people are all leaving and there's no future being passed on for the churches. And so when we find leaders who, first of all, love Jesus and want to serve him, have a passion for working with young people and are saying, I love Romania. I want to see Jesus impact Romania. And so when we find people like that, we really, those are the kind of people that we're excited about investing in, discipling, accountability, saying, how can we encourage you and serve you so that you can 
proclaim Jesus in Romania. So this is our, a, a few of the people that we're working with. In the bottom left corner is a group of guys. Those are youth leaders in the city of Baco, which is where Georgia was born. She left when she was five, so she grew up in California, but that's her hometown, and we have relationships with four different youth leaders, and we are able to do trainings and conferences with them and just say, how can we help you, serve you, keep you accountable, disciple you so that you can spill that over into the lives of the young people you're working with? And then up above to the right is a group in Brashov. These are guys and girls that we meet with on a weekly basis, individually, for, for times of Bible study, accountability, discipleship. We hold each other um, to keeping each other healthy in, in ministry so that we know um, that we're not just serving out of emptiness, but we're serving out of an overflow of being filled with a true relationship with God. And so Georgie meets with a couple of those girls every week. I meet with a couple of those guys every week. And then we do some kind of trainings and conferences together. And so we really believe in investing in youth leaders. Um, I want to talk about why for a second. Um, statistics show that 95% of youth ministry resources are spent in the United States. Big programs. We have Young Life. We have Crusade. We have big things happening for youth. A lot of training and things go into America. But 96% of the world's youth population lives outside of America. So we, we have a passion for seeing some of these resources, some of this training go into other parts of the world. And, and for us, it's Romania. We want to invest in youth leaders because youth is the, the ge future generation of the church. And we want to see the young people impacted in Romania. So this is our youth group. We, we were able to start in the city of Brasov with some of our leaders. And this is up climbing some of the mountains in Transylvania. It's a group called Zerach, which is uh, Hebrew for the rising of the light. And that's really what we want them to be in, in uh, Brasov. This is a group of them. I told our, one of our main leaders, Oti, I said, hey, can you invite a couple of people over to our apartment for the World Cup? And Oti is an activator. He's, he's great in youth ministry because if he says something's happening, everybody's coming. You know? So he, he can really get people stirred up, and, which is cool. When somebody loves Jesus like that, he can get people going. You know? But... Um, I said, invite a couple of people over. We don't have a lot of room, but it, the World Cup's happening. So this picture only captures like half of the room. We had more than 30 people in our tiny little apartment because Oti was like, I just invited a few people and all these people came. So we were worried about our neighbors and making too much noise, but it was a great time to have everybody crammed into our apartment. This is a youth camp that we did with a, a group of our, our Zara people. So we have a lot of opportunities to invest in youth leaders. Uh, I want to talk really quick about the, the principle of addition versus multiplication, and some of you guys have heard me talk about this before, but so much of the world operates on an addition level. So that would be, let me, let me use an example. I'll use Georgie. So Georgie has decided that she is going to give the gospel. She's going to share Jesus with 1,000 people every day for 30 years. So that's no Sundays, no vacation, no holidays. Every day you have to, you have to tell Jesus. A thousand people about Jesus. Sounds exhausting, right? She's going to be burned out. But the result at the end of 30 years is she's going to reach with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus, 10,950,000 people. Pretty good, right? That's the addition principle. Burning yourself out, working yourself to death, okay? Uh, the multiplication principle, which really I believe is what Jesus set forth for us in Matthew 28 when he said, go and make disciples. Don't just make converts. Make disciples and teach them everything that I've taught you. So 
Multiplication would be, imagine, let's, say, let's use Nick Reed on, on the other hand because I see him and I'll embarrass him. So Nick decides, okay, I can't reach 1,000 people every day. That's, that's not going to happen, and I need time with my family, and I need all that stuff. So I'm going to invest my life in one person. I'm going to disciple them, whether they're a believer or non-believer. I'm going to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus, and I'm going to walk with them for, for a whole year and share everything I can about Jesus and, and uh, train them in every way, the, trusting that they'll, hopefully they'll become a believer, they'll follow Jesus. I won't just say, okay, you're a believer, I'm moving on to the next person, but I'm going to invest in them, making sure that they grow in maturity. So I'm going to invest in them for a year. Then the next year, Nick's going to go to somebody else, and that person that he's been discipling is going to go to somebody else. So now you've got four instead of two. Year three and so on, discipleship going out as you're being filled, you go and, and invest in others. And so that continues. So if we continue that model for 30 years, in the end, instead of 10 million, we have 1,731,000 and some change. So that's just an example to show you the power of the model that, that Jesus set forth for us in saying, go and make disciples. This is the way Jesus worked. He had the 72, and then he had the 12, and then he had the 3, and he had harped a lot on Peter, you know, and was like, I'm, I'm going to build my church on you. And so with just a, a few fishermen, Jesus spread his kingdom, and, and so we believe in that, that model. So investing in the few to reach the many. The third room in our house is family life ministry. A lot of you are familiar with family life here. But they have some great materials on marriage um, training, premarital counseling. These are three couples that we are able to do the whole premarital counseling with uh, going through family life materials. We went through the art of marriage, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend uh, investing in that for your marriage. Because we know that, that a, a good marriage is a picture of the gospel because it's a picture of the way that Jesus loves his church. And so the ultimate purpose of marriage, as you see there, is to reflect God's image, not to complete yourself, not to fulfill yourself, not to make sure you're not alone. The ultimate purpose is to reflect God's image, and he's given us this, and so we want people to have healthy marriages, and so we really believe in that. There, in Romania, there's not a lot of training. The churches are kind of just like, what happens in your home is for you to figure out if you have problems, if you're fighting, and we don't care, we don't want to hear about it, just keep it in your house, it's in your house, and come to church and smile and pretend like everything's okay. And uh, we want to invest in making sure that people really have healthy marriages, not just what looks like on the surface. And so uh, we really have been blessed by seeing that a lot of the family life material has been translated into Romanian. It's been an awesome thing to see. So we do marriage conferences. This is, if you've heard of the Weekend to Remember that Family Life does here, this is one of the Weekend to Remembers that happened in Romania that we were able to be a part of. And it's really cool to see people interested in that kind of teaching saying, hey, I want to know how I can be a better husband, how I can love my wife as God loves the church. Wife saying, I want to know how I can be a better wife. And so it's really, really awesome ministry, and we're excited about being a part of that in Romania to give a picture to the culture, to proclaim the gospel through seeing healthy marriages in Romania. And then the fourth part of our house is, is what we call ministry visits. Um, th there's a lot of opportunity in Romania for going out into villages, into remote areas where people haven't heard the gospel, where people are spiritually hungry, but they have no one to feed them. And so we have a lot of opportunity to go out into the remote areas, into the villages, and, and share truth and encouragement with people. This is a, a young lady. I was going to say young lady. This is a, an elderly lady. Her name is Maria, and the Lord put, just dropped her right in our, in our 
path. We were coming home from our youth camp, and we were going up over the mountain in this really remote village, and we had a caravan of cars, and one of the cars overheated, and so we had to stop in this exact place and wait while this car was cooling off. And so Georgie looked over, and she saw Maria sitting on the hill just like that, and she thought, that woman looks beautiful just sitting on the hill, but she looks so sad. And so Georgie and I went over there, and I said, well, let's go just ask her if we can take a picture of her, because it looks beautiful. So we went over, and we stood at the edge of her fence there, and Georgie said, may I take your picture? And she said, sure, I don't care, why not, you know? So Georgie took her picture, and then we were going to say thank you and walk away, and Georgie just felt that the Holy Spirit was saying, tell this woman that, that I love her. Tell this woman that Jesus loves her. So Georgie said, I really just feel like you look sad, and, and I want to tell you that, that Jesus loves you. And this woman immediately started, just burst out in tears, and she said, it can't be, uh, my husband has just died, um, he followed Jesus, he read his Bible, but all of his life I made fun of him, and I would hide his Bible, and I abused him and persecuted him for his faith, so how, can, how dare you come and tell me that Jesus loves me? He can never forgive me, he can never love me. And, Jesus, and Georgie so powerfully shared the gospel with her right there and said, he can love you. He can forgive you for all of that and, and uh, shared with her. And she was just weeping and open the whole time. And then in the end, Georgie said, may we, may we pray with you? And she said, yes, please, please pray with me. And so this woman on this hill in the middle of this village opened to receiving Jesus. And it was a, a very powerful time. And so just to look like a cool picture, and there she was. So there's a lot of opportunity for going out and just spreading that, that message um, we do uh, what's, what we call ministry visits, where we go into the remote villages and we visit James 127 type work, where it says, um, true religion is to care for the orphan and the widow in their distress and to keep yourself from being corrupted by the world. So we go out to care for the orphans and the widows. This is a, a widow in a remote village. She's the only believer in her village, a product of evangelism that some guys had done in the church years ago. And she's a, an amazing believer, full of faith. She proclaims truth. She, she writes scriptures on her gates, big for her neighbors because she's trying to witness to them. So she's painting like on the front of the gate, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then on the side of her house, Jesus is coming uh, on the well. Jesus is the water of life. Jesus is the light of the world. She has it proclaimed everywhere. And she's just out there all by herself. And so we go, and because there's no church even near her, and she doesn't have a car, there's no way for her to get to church, we go and we take church to her. And so we go and we read with her and we sing hymns with her a cappella in her little living room and, and go visit her. And she's always so hungry, and she's, she's asking these tough questions like, how can I know that my salvation is secure? And she knows the answer, but she just wants somebody to sharpen her. And so we're always having good discussions with her. And we went in with a group of people, and we sat there, and she just started firing off. She's like, you're Psalm 90, you're Psalm 33, you're Psalm 41, just kind of assigning psalms to people. And we're like, okay, I don't know what that means. And then she just sat back and closed her eyes, and she's like, now, now read those to me. And just like, I want to hear the, all those psalms that I signed in. And then she just sat there while we all read these psalms to her. And so it was pretty cool. Um, so she's a sweet, sweet lady. And we always think that we're going to go and encourage her. And we're going to visit this, this poor widow so that we can encourage her. And every time we're leaving, it's, it's us that are convicted and challenged. Uh, we go there and we see her. When we arrive, she has a farm. She's 90-something years old, has two canes. She's hunched over in her field working the soil so that she can eat. And she lives off of her land still at 90 years old, which is just amazing. And I complain about the dumbest, littlest things, right? And so we get there, and it's getting dark, and we have to leave. And we brought her some food, and we brought her some stuff. But we're saying, 
we feel bad leaving you here because, because you're all alone. It's getting dark. Are you okay? And, and she puts up her little bony finger in our face and she says, no, I'm, I'm not alone. Jesus is, is with me. And it's powerful to see that, that kind of faith and that kind of uh, um, strength. And so we are the ones that are usually encouraged by that. This is uh, a, a group of us. We went to visit this brother. He's in the back with the white collared shirt. His name is Nikolai, and this last summer, his wife was killed uh, in a car accident. She was walking across the street and got hit by a car, and so his wife was killed, and he was completely devastated. He's been one of the guys from the church who's going out into the village and always encouraging people, always going to visit people, and then this last summer, he's the one that needed those visits. So we went, we took a meal to him. As we were there, um, right before we got there, he has this big, huge smile, and he's always joyful, always celebrating, loving Jesus with everything he has. And before we'd arrived, he'd bit into an apple, and all of his teeth, his top teeth had come out. And so it was like insult to injury. He lost his wife, and now he lost his smile. And so you can, if you can see, I don't know if you can, but he's just kind of smiling, but kind of trying to hide it. And he was pretty much weeping the whole day that we were here, just completely discouraged. So we were able to share some scripture with him and try to do for him what he's done for so many people over the years and encourage him. And then the team felt so moved. They said, hey, we want to we wanna pitch in and get Nikolai some, some new teeth. So they were doing this little deal under the table to arrange money, and we gave that to him as a gift. And then two weeks later, George and I went back to visit him, and, and this is him. This is, <clears throat> this is the real Nikolai with this big, huge smile. And, and so he's a man full of faith, really struggling and, and in need of encouragement. And so there's a lot of opportunity to just go and uh, in Romania, it's a different culture than here. People aren't so individual. You can show up at somebody's door and they'll drop whatever they're doing and sit you down and just be like, let's read, let's study, let's, let's learn. And so it's cool to just be able to go and know that they'll receive you at any time. So that's, uh, that's Nikolai. The other type of ministry visits we do is we visit a lot of orphanages, and, and I don't have a, a ton of time to talk about that, but we go, uh, the orphanage that we go to the most is in, in Brasov, near where we live, and it's set up in such a cool way. They have about 20, 25 kids, and they divide them. They have four little mini houses, and each of those houses has a, has a house parent or a, a, a set of parents who give these orphans kind of the feel of a, of a home. So they have chores. They have someone there to help with their homework. They eat dinner together in their little house, not in a big uh, mess hall or anything like that, and so it's divided. They all have a big yard where all of them come and play together, but then you'll see the parents come out and they'll whistle, and these kids have to go in, and so it gives them that environment of being at home, and the reason we love this orphanage the most is called Hosanna Orphanage is because it was a Romanian guy. He was an orphan himself. He grew up, got a great job, uh, became pretty wealthy, and now he's saying, I want to do help my own people. And so he funds everything himself. He raises support just from within Romania. So there's no outside help. There's no support from the West like a lot of them get. And so it's run by Romanians for Romanians. And that's what we have a passion to see. Um, so we, we were able to visit some orphanages. Even when Pablo was here, he let him try his cajon. And they were all playing and trying to do the shaker at the same time like he does. So it was good singing with them and seeing them sing. And, and that's always powerful too. We learn lessons from them every time we go. And then the third and final type of visit that we do is visiting churches. We go out into the villages where there's little Christian churches. Um, they're in pretty remote areas a lot of times, but anytime time we go, they're hungry for teaching. They're hungry for the word. Um, they want, they'll let us share. They'll, they want us to sing. They want us to preach, and they're just hungry. They don't care if we sit there for four hours and the service is long over. They, they want more and more. And one time we were, I was with George's dad there, and uh, they were like, okay, brother, her, her dad's name is John. They're like, John's going to preach. 
So he went up and, and he preached and preached like, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that. And then he sat down and they said, okay, now brother Daniel's going to preach. And so they brought me up and I preached and went as long as I could and went, went a half an hour and shared with them what I felt like the Lord was saying and sat down and we're thinking, man, okay, this, this went long, but it's over now. And then the guy got up and he's like, and now brother John will preach again. And they like brought him up and like say something else, you know, and they're like, we don't, we don't care if we're here all day. We want to. And so they're open to that. So this is one of my translators, Andre and and a cool story, I was out in a little village church, and I was preaching about Psalm 23, and I heard a commotion behind me, and so I turned around and I looked out the window, and as I'm talking about Psalm 23, this huge herd of sheep is going through, down the middle of the street, you know, and I was like, excuse me, guys, I need to take a picture of this, because this is, this is profound, so I took that picture in the middle of my sermon, talking about Psalm 23, so it was, it was a cool thing. Um, so that's, that's our house. Those are kind of the, the areas that we're using to invest in the gospel going out in Romania. And as you can see, it doesn't look like much of a house. And so that's where uh, we have appreciated so much of your support. I know that there's, there's people in the church that have supported us relationally, financially, um, because in order for us to contain our ministry to be able to do what we do, um, is through the support of you guys, prayer support, financial support. And so we thank you for that and want to invest in this morning to just say thank you for those that have supported. And um, so that's how we survive over there. And then it still doesn't look like a house, and that's why we need the, the covering of prayer. And so this is the completed house with the foundation of the gospel, using those areas to bring that forth with the support of people here being a part of the ministry of what's going on in Romania. So if you want to be in prayer with us uh, if, or support us, we have some uh, papers on the back table, some little reminder cards you can put on your fridge to pray for us, and, and then a, a form where you can write us an email to get our newsletters and keep up with us and what's going on. So we'd love to have you guys added to that list so that we can send you emails and updates. But that's our house, and uh, the cards look like this. So if there's any left, grab one of those, stick it on your fridge, um, and, and we... Definitely covet your prayers and, and keeping up with us, relational support as well. As we're over there, uh, prayers for safety on the roads, prayers for our relationships with our neighbors and, and the people that we're working with. And I just want to close this morning um, with, with a, a challenge. I read from Isaiah earlier that, that the good news is beautiful and that um, wherever you are in the world, whether it's here or, or there, that you are all ambassadors of the good news. And I want to challenge you with that. It, I don't want you to sit here this morning and think like, oh, I, I'm not called to Romania and so I don't have an influence. It's, it's the opposite's true, that we're all called to be ambassadors of the good news and that we can be a beautiful representation of Jesus to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our families. And so I want you to walk out of here feeling built up, feeling encouraged, like, yes, I can go, and I can go into my neighborhood, I can go into my school, I can go into my job, and I can be an ambassador of the good news. And, and I want to challenge you, too. We talk about Romania, and you might be looking like, man, look at those widows and those kids that need help, and there's so many opportunities there to serve. It's here, it's here, too. There, there's widows here, there's people that can't make it to church, that are lonely, that would love for you to come knock on their door and, and sing a hymn with them in their house or take a scripture to them. And so there's opportunities right where you are. Maybe you feel called overseas somewhere. Maybe you feel called to your next door neighbor. Whatever it is, be open to being used in, in that way and, and be open to looking for the needs that are around your community. We feel called that in Romania, we're, we're supposed to be there right now. On March 5th, we're going to be going back over. And we don't know for how long we're just following the Lord and see what he has for us. But our ticket is to go back there 
on March 5th, and so that's where we feel called and where we are reaching out, but you can do the same thing exactly where you are, and so I want to challenge you to just be an ambassador of the good news. Take, do ministry visits here. Go visit orphans and widows and hurting kids and hurting people, and take the good news to them, and so we can do that wherever we are. It doesn't take being a missionary and flying to some foreign country to do that. And so I want to challenge you with that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Um, before I do that and, and let you guys go, um, I, I want to just give a quick reminder that for anybody that's volunteered at Creekside over this past year, there's an a appreciation celebration party throwdown at, at the Reed's house. So after a church from 1 to 5, it's an open house show up, eat some goodies. We stayed with the Reed's last night. We saw the preparations going into it. It's going to be delicious and amazing. So if you've been a part of volunteering, we, we uh, want to make sure that you know you're invited there, and hopefully we can see you there and chat more with you in the back as you have questions. Unfortunately, we don't have time for fielding any questions, but we'd love to be able to share with you about what's going on in, in our lives if you have any more questions about it. So let's just go ahead and pray, and, and we'll be dismissed. Jesus, you are abundant life. You are good news in, in a world that surrounds us with fears and with doubts and with bad news and we've got terrorism and we've got Ebola and all these things that we can get fixated on, but may we never lose a focus that um, we have an answer, that we have a hope within us and that within that we have a, an answer for the hope that we have and that answer is you. And so give us opportunities um, for me and Georgie, for everyone in this church, that you'd give us opportunities to speak good news and truth into the lives of hurting people in our communities, in our places of work, in our places of where we live, that you would open doors for us to share you and, and empower us and embolden us. Um, there's no time to waste. There's, there's no time to just sit back and get comfortable in our lives, but we want to be people that boldly proclaim Jesus in every relationship that we have. And so give us opportunity to do that and boldness to do that. We worship you for your... Um, glory. You're the only one that's worthy, and we thank you for our morning together. I pray your blessing, continued blessing. I, I thank you for the ways that you've blessed this church and that the ways that um, everything is falling into place here, and I pray that you would just continue to bless that as they honor you, as they are a light to this community, that you would continue to just pour your, your blessing, your protection, and your peace on this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I think if there's nothing else, you guys are dismissed. Thanks for being with us this morning. <laughs>